In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio. I have me, Eric the Artist. The surprise of Avengers Endgame is going to be John Wick kills Thanos. <laughs> I have with me, Gary the Stud. Excelsior. <laughs> and I am Bob Christman, your host, the ever living Bob Christman. Okay, so we have several things we want to talk about with you tonight as we review several things. We're going to be looking at the John Wick 3 trailer, which just came out this past week. We're going to talk about Ghostbusters 2020. No, I am not lying. It's a real thing. We just found out about it this week. And we're also going to talk about the Spider-Man Far Away From Home trailer. Then we thought we would actually take some time tonight and talk about the talk of the week, which ironically deals with the fan film that we just watched in our last episode and reviewed. And I cannot believe what's going on with that fan film and what's happening with that YouTube channel. So we will talk about that in just a little bit here at towards the end of our first segment. Okay, so let's first talk about the John Wick 3 trailer that, that we just recently watched. What do you guys, what do you guys think, uh, first off, the John Wick series? I mean, what do you guys think of John Wick <laughs> series as a whole, as, as a movie franchise? What do you guys, what do, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? So go ahead. I love the world they built. From the first movie, the world that they hinted at without giving you too much. Yeah. The the exchange of money through coins, the, the before there was the Hotel Artemis. Did anyone see that with Jodie Foster? Jeff Goldblum and it had Batista in it. No. <clears throat> it's basically it came out after John Wick. And okay. to me it feels like, oh, they're playing off the idea of John Wick. It was basically a hotel that's really a hidden hospital for crim- criminals. And you can go there if you're injured and you can be protected and okay. stuff. I, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, John Wick. But the hotel in John Wick, where it was the whole 
you know, they had a, it was basically a culture of assassins that they just, they didn't give you everything, but they gave you enough. Right. And then, of course, there's the gun, gun fu they do, which I just always thought it, it's incredibly impractical and awesome to watch on screen. Right. So I've enjoyed that. Simple story. Keanu Reeves drives it. I love the filming. I love the action. I, I'm, I'm all in on these. They're, they're certainly not like, I can't call them really, really smart films. They're not, it's not like they've taken and done some genius level thing here. It's a, it's a fairly straightforward, simple concept. Yeah. They just fleshed it out to stylistic integrity tenfold, and it's fun as hell to watch. What do you think of the John Wick series, Gary? Oh, it's just plain awesome. It's uh, nonstop action all the way from, from the beginning to the end. Like, how does this rate with, like, David Bourne, or uh, Jason Bourne? What do you guys think? Like, a lot of people compare the two. I don't know why they're comparing them. I mean, because it's a guy who's good at fighting, yeah. I guess. Right, they're both but, guy, guys that are, like, trained to fight, you know what I mean? Like, that's usually the comparison factor. I, I really see them as two different entities, personally, but I just was curious if you guys see them as like-minded ideas or if they're no, different. I've always got the feeling that Jason Bourne are more international intrigue espionage yeah, j- adventure j- films. I've always said Jason Bourne to me is like if the Matrix met or part of the Matrix met um, James Bond, you know, yeah. or or something along that line. Well, it's basically, you know? it's basically James Bond got amnesia in the beginning. Right, you know? exactly. Yes. James Bond light is what I call it. Yeah. Kind so, of, yeah. So I've I've really... where the, the Wick films are really more about putting you into this world. You know, it's a very specific subculture right. they've invented. And, like, even just the way they do the lines where... I remember in the first one, there was this great scene where John Wick's house got invaded and he ended up killing everyone who invaded his house. And then police show up and John Wick's standing there at the door and the guy looks around him at the, the, the destruction in his house, leaned back in, he goes, you working again, John? <laughs> and he's like, I can't remember what he said. He's like trying not to or no. something. I can't remember the line, but it's, it's all like, even then I realized the police are in on it. They're a cleanup crew. They're paying right. those coins. I just love the world they did. And I just, that was entertained. And it's, it's one of those movies that it just, it gives you the warm feels. You just, right, right. You, 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 as soon as you sit down to watch it, you know what you're going to get. You don't have to worry about some crazy left-handed stupid turn. or It's it's going to be what it is, and it's entertaining. It's done really well. Well, what I liked about the first one was uh, the reason why he came back into the <laughs> and into the assassination and all that. Oh, yeah. It's because his dead wife gave him a, a puppy dog to continue to for him to live, basically. Yeah, because right. he, he was ready to kill himself. He had nothing to live for. Right. Then the, the kid that plays Theon Greyjoy, who at the time everybody despised in Game of Thrones, is playing the guy that kills the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which made him more hateable. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, exactly. I actually feel bad for the actor who, who's done both those roles because, quite honestly, everyone hates him now between... Game of Thrones and this, it's like, how can he ever play? Right. Like, he could never do a good guy role ever right. again. He'll never be able to. Just, just the, the killing of the dog, and he comes back in. The, that's it. He's gonna murder everybody. Yeah, I, I just, yeah I, I'll agree with you, Gary. That was always my favorite part of John Wick. Is that's his reasoning for coming back. <laughs> like, you know, and, and somebody killed my dog. Like, you know, like how yep. how more how much more simpler can you get with it with a thought process than my dog got killed? I'm gonna take revenge. I'm back. You know, like that's <laughs> then he gets a new dog. Yeah. And what's the, na- the dog's name? I don't dog. remember. Oh, dog, <laughs> dog. <laughs> All I know is that out of any, this movie must have a, a record for number of headshots. It's well, got to yeah. be like the world record of headshots in terms of films. And and from what I understand, it's doubled the kills 
from the first two movies in this third one. <laughs> oh, really? And there's uh, 204 kills between the two two movies. I, I, the one thing that struck <laughs> so me he's was... going to kill 400 and something people yeah. in this third one? That'll be awesome. <laughs> what it struck me was, I don't think I've ever, to the life of me, I can't remember a time where we had a scene where samurai swords were used in conjunction with motorcycles. Right. I don't... I, do you guys? I've, and again, I've seen a lot it, of though. kung fu movies. And other, this you know is where I mean? this is where the logic of the world falls apart. You're driving up behind the guy, right? Shoot him, right? You've taken out the Baba Yaga. You've killed, yeah. <laughs> you know, the horrible boogeyman as they call him. But no, they got to drive up with swords with and get swords, close right. and to give him a chance close, to fight. Right. So it's but that's it's okay. You accept it because right. it's John Wick and it's, it's just Wick supposed to be it, over the what top. You do, yeah. <laughs> I think I can disagree with you, Bob, about the samurai swords and motorcycles. Okay. Because I think there's been some kung fu movies back in the 70s, 80s. I've been that, trying to think, like, racking my brain. They're really B movies. They did do samurai swords fighting with cars in The Matrix Reloaded in the whole sequence. The two twins had samurai swords. And yeah, then they at were at in the, the end, car, you're right. Yeah, yeah. and at the end... He were takes, they riding cycles, though? They were in the cars. Yeah, the cycles was other parts of it. And then right. at the end, uh, Lawrence Fishburne cuts the car right. as it comes driving at him with the right, right, right. causing it to flip and then he pulls his gun and shoots the tank right, and it right, explodes. Right. So there's there's been I'm just saying specifically motorcycles. I was just like I'd never thought of nor seen no. specifically just a motorcycle with a samurai I, sword. You, and I was if, like, if I watched enough Hong Kong action yeah, flicks, I'm sure I, there's somewhere some along stuff. the way there's gotta be one. I just I don't um, remember one, you know. Matter of fact maybe Rumble in the Bronx maybe might have done it too. I'm not sure. Mm. What about Kill Bill? Was there ever yes, seen an there was, there was uh where the the bride was going after. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Another motorcyclist. Uh, That's right. Yeah, and they were. Yes, and, and she cuts his her, her okay, arm so, off. Okay, so so it's not a totally unique thing. Right. It's just not something you see very often. I was just kind of like, um, oh, that's an interesting take. It is, but but I, then he's riding a horse in the trailer too, right? And shooting a pistol, which <laughs> you know, like now I read a theory about this whole thing. I don't believe it, but it, it's a theory that it's Neo going into the Matrix is. Dreaming this whole, this whole <laughs> I was dreaming of John Wick. Yeah, that actually would be kind of funny though. Because Morpheus is in it. True. Neil's yeah. in it. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Although I say I have a theory about this because the second movie ended, he was right. given a one-hour head start, and they clearly make make reference to the one hour running out of time and everything in this movie. They're showing it, you know, where he's sitting at some. He, I think he's got something in his neck that's being removed before it explodes because mm-hmm. when his time's cut off, they could kill him is what I gather because the doctor's taking it out. He's counting down the seconds. Right. I wonder if the first hour of this movie is going to be a real-time one hour of him trying to get out of New York City with all the stuff that happens. With, because think of how much stuff we see happen in New York. The, the fight in the library is probably in New York. The fight right. on the motorcycles is in New York. The thing on the horse is probably in New York. Um, I think the first hour is going to almost be real-time him escaping from New York, and at that one-hour point in that cut, he gets out. And then the second hour is going to be whatever the story is of him going for revenge. So maybe do like almost like a twenty-four thing where you're I literally wonder. following it real time. I would think that'd be really cool. That'd be kind of cool. I think it'd be a great first. John hour. Wick in, in like real time. I, yeah, that his, would be a his really one cool hour concept. escape. Right. And, I, I and, like it. And I do like the fact that they bring in some people from Game of Thrones in it too. Yeah, yeah. Because in this one, uh, the guy that plays Bran, yeah, is in it. Theon Greyjoy was in the first one, and there was another guy. Well, Ian McShane's been in it too. So. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's been he's great. So well, I got to ask you guys this. So then the, the reveal near the end of the trailer yeah. is that he goes and meets someone. It's played by Halle Berry. Right. Did that bother you guys at all? Because the first thing I saw when I, after I watched the trailer, and I didn't think twice because I'd already heard she was in it. You know, so I was just right. like, oh, there's the, there she is. 
with all these comments going, oh, you had me till Halle Berry. I'm out. She's going to ruin the movie. And there was like comment after comment saying that. I'm like, I didn't get that. I don't get that at all. I'm not a huge Halle Berry fan. And I know I'll take crap for that. And that's okay. I'll buy it. She's great in Monsters Ball. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's just so many movies she's done where I was just like, it's too far over the top. Like her version of Catwoman was way over the top. That was a a horrible movie. Never liked that version of Catwoman. I didn't like her as a Bond chick. And not because. You know, I never saw that Bond. And and the weird thing is not because. And see, before anybody says it, it has nothing to do with her being African American. It's not that at all. I just she didn't make a good Bond chick. She just didn't. I don't know. I didn't. But did she didn't make did, it viable. Did for Denise me. Richards playing a scientist? No, work for she you? didn't work for me either. And I'm. I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. not all the Bond chicks made it. No, for they me don't. Bond chicks. They don't all work. And and I'm just saying she just never worked out. And I've there's not many movies where I've seen her and been like, oh yeah, yeah, she she did it. You know, she got a great role in that one. A lot of times, I think she gets cruddy roles and makes something of them. You know. Uh, what's the one she did with Travolta? Swordfish or Swordfish? Yeah. Swordfish. Yeah. It was okay. You know, she, I think she made something in that role, and honestly, that role was nothing. With you know what I mean? So I, I just I don't know. I think she's a good actress. I just think for whatever reason, she keeps getting handed kind of slappy roles. You know, the, the movie I really liked her in was the nine one one operator movie that she was in. Oh, that wasn't too long ago, was it? Right. I can't remember what that was. I don't was. think I've seen that one. I, I, I can't think what it was, but uh, a girl gets abducted and finds a cell phone and calls 911, and she's the operator trying to get her to safety. Did any of you, you guys see Gothica, the one where she was put into a mental, mental institution? I, I saw it, and I did not like it. I didn't I like it. I haven't yeah. seen it. And, and, and I don't think it was because of her acting. It's just the... Like I said, she got handed film. a bad yeah. role. It's like... Right, even Catwoman is—it's uh, a bad. It right. was a bad right of Catwoman, right. and therefore she's trying to pull something out of nothing, you know. And that's, and that's where I kind of feel bad for her because I do think a lot of times her problem is not her; it's it's the people working around her, and she's getting you know kind of cruddy positions. She's put in yeah. a bad position. And, and I like her in Roots too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't see it, <laughs> but that's way back. Oh yeah. So. So, but so I it didn't the idea of her being in it though didn't ruin it for me. I don't think no, she's going to destroy John Wick. I think she's going to be fine. I'm looking forward to see what her role is. I'm yeah. kind of curious, and actually, if the two of them work together well, it might be a good, you know, marriage, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The, the person I want to see come back is uh, Ruby Rose from the second one. What part did she play? Was she the? She was the silent uh, hitman for the, the Spaniards. Did she survive? She she got stabbed in the heart. And he, and he told he told her don't pull it out. No, no, that was not her. No, it wasn't. Okay. That was common. Okay, so okay. And from what I've heard, common's not in number three. Right, but I think she survived it. I don't. I think, can't remember what happened to her. Yeah, I don't think she died. She it? was because it was him and common fighting on the subway. Right, okay. and he stabbed him and put him down and said, "Leave it. It's keeping you alive." And that's the last we see of of that character. Uh, that other, which was that was a great moment too, yes. where the two of them run into each other at the concert. And they're like they're both here doing jobs or whatever. The one's doing yep. security and he's here to do a job, and it, they pull the. Gu- that was a great moment too. Yeah. But yeah, I was hoping to see more of his character. And yeah. From what I hear, he's not in it. And, and I'd like to see Ruby Rose back in yeah. it too. So she was the tattooed. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I remember who you're talking about now. Okay, let's move on to our second topic, which is the release this week of well, it started as a tweet, right <clears throat> first. From which Reitman is it? The Sun? The Sun. Jason. Jason right? Reitman. Jason Reitman. Uh, he talked about. He, he came out in a little article too. He did. He did more than just tweet because he did a little, okay. a little article release where he talked about growing up on the set of Ghostbusters One. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he he remembers there being there as a kid. 
he's always appreciated it. He always thought it'd be fun someday that he would take the mantle on and do a new movie or whatever. And he released, all of a sudden, we learn he's been writing this for the past year and a half. The script is done. They're into production, apparently. And, oh, hey, look, there's even a teaser. <laughs> right. And even somebody like Ernie Hudson had retweeted that, by the way, here's our teaser. And the rumor is the original cast is returning. Dan Aykroyd's returning. Ernie Hudson's returning. Obviously, Bill Murray's always Bill Murray's, the iffy. Yeah, and, but apparently Bill Murray actually recently had jumped back into the fray. I had heard that there were a lot he, of negotiations He jumps in and jumps on. out, though. It's, he's hard. Um, he's hard to pin down. But so you watch the trailer, and, and you guys are all like, oh, there's a, tra-, you know, like a, it's, <laughs> a teaser trailer. So I was kind of like, okay, cool. I'm kind of no, looking forward to it. I didn't say there's a teaser trailer. I said there's a teaser. There's a teaser. You're right. You didn't say teaser trailer. <laughs> so I'll give you that. So I got all kind of excited. I'm like, oh, this will be really cool to, to watch. And then I kind of watched it. And I, I hate to be like tears, but it was like, there ain't much there. I mean, to be honest with you, for those who are but watching right now, you can see they instantly play that iconic theremin music from the library right. of the first Ghostbusters. Yeah. That alone made me catch my yeah, breath Yeah, just going the... Yeah, I was like, oh. Like in the background, I'm like, that's enough for me. And then seeing the logo on the car, you know... And it's the original Ecto-1. It's the original Ecto-1, you know. And it just says summer 2020, and that's it. That's all there is to it. The only thing that would make it better for me would be if the siren from the Ecto-1 me. Yeah, either that or, like, this is going to sound dumb, but, like, if a marshmallow fell out of the sky or something and fell on top of now, it or something apparently, stupid like that, you know? if you scroll back in the video, the yeah. part where they're panning in, um, people have been, like, tearing this thing apart. The video. Yeah, they, apparently, if you go back, 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 till you had to keep going until they're all outside the house and way out in the field, they pass a fence right there, and apparently you can see ectoplasm on the fence if you look. But I keep Ectoplasm? looking. I just think it's the lighting. Apparently, over on the side here, it's oh, like kind of. Kinda, well, I the, think that's just green lighting, though. But, but, the, but apparently, it's you drippy. know Ghostbusters it's, fans. You're there, right there. I, I did see it wiggle. I think they're right. You see it right there at the top. It's dripping. So there's at ectoplasm. The top of the fence. Yeah, right on that second. This, this, this one right, right there. Here. Watch. It wiggles. Oh yeah, yeah. So there wiggle. is ectoplasm all over that fence. People caught that. Oh. Um, so there's there are little things hidden in this that you've got to really look for. Apparently. The license plate on this one is the license plate all the way back to the original Ghostbusters and not Ghostbusters 2. Right. So it's this old license plate from the 80s. Yeah. Um, the old yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the not the, yellow, not the, the throwback yellow. Not the, not the Statue of Liberty. Yep. These are not th- throwaway things. These right. are done in time. Every little every, element I'm sure every detail has been through. thought through. So yeah. there's, I think this is his way of saying, you know, this is a true connection here. This is we're thinking very much about how the first one felt and trying to capture that again. What do you guys think of this idea of of going back to Ghostbusters in 2020? Is it a is it a win or is it a loss here? It's a win for me. I'm there. Yeah. I always loved Ghostbusters one. I was disappointed in the trailer, but it came out in the summer of '89. If you think about that, Ghostbusters two came out in 1989. Oh my gosh! Because it came out the summer of Batman and Indiana Jones. <sighs> Which was what was really funny because... I remember that summer. In, That's really sad. In, 2000 and, in 2008, we got a new Indiana Jones and a Batman. new Batman. <laughs> that, and a new Ghostbusters. Oh, or, yeah. No, not a new... But we got a couple of them. It was the summer right. of Iron Man. Yeah. But we also got Indiana Jones and we got a Batman again. So it was like they had waited so long and then their sequels came out. Right. Like, I, I've always thought that that original Ghostbusters universe and mythos has so much to mine still. There's so much potential. Oh, there. I agree with you. And so I'm I'm excited to see what they do. Gary, what do you think of this idea of relaunching <laughs> Ghostbusters in 2020? 
Well, it's not really a relaunch. It's a sequel. Well, it's a sequel too. Yeah. He's made um, a point of saying it's not a reboot. Right. right. I think so. When they made the one with the with the girls in it a couple years ago or so. Yeah. Uh, that was 2016. They they had a lot of p- potential or uh, not, not fans excited about it. Then when it came out, it was like, ugh. It, just, it wasn't a funny... I've watched it. It wasn't a funny movie. It has nothing to do with being an all-girl team. I'm fine with an all-girl yeah. team. I'm fine with all that. It wasn't a funny movie. I actually think they tried too hard at the comedy side of it. Like, I thought they did well on the the Spectre ghost side of things, but on the comedy side, they were trying too hard to throw the comedy in, and it just didn't fit. And that was the one thing I always loved about Ghostbusters is the comedy was always natural. It felt like it was just a part of whatever was going on. You know, like when uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man shows up and everybody looks at uh, Bill Murray and he's like, what? I couldn't help but think of, you know, no. the one guy that would never hurt Dan me Aykroyd. while I was... There's Dan Aykroyd, thank you. would never hurt me while I was at camp, you know. Uh, camp uh, Ahami, which ironically yeah. was the one that I was servicing. And yes, <laughs> it's a reference to uh, the camp down in... It's an actual camp, by the way. Um, and I just... I, I thought that... I don't know. There's there's organic comedy inside of Ghostbusters. As yeah. real as the movie, you know, as real as it feels, and you know, the the realism they try to put into it with the special effects and everything. There's also organic comedy. Well, that was it. why I think the original Ghostbusters worked well. It was a horror comedy. Right. There were moments where the where the scariness of it you was got scary, you, you got yeah. nervous. You yeah. sat there and you were waiting for something to jump out and scare you. They didn't forget that they were supposed to be fear. I, I'll in never it. forget as a kid when the library went. Bah! Yeah, you know, that like, you scared, scared you. The crud out of just you, walking you know? through there and yeah. the things moving and yeah. the the scene with the Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver being attacked or the yeah. things that happened in her. Fr- there were moments of true fear. They made it a horror comedy. Right. Then Ghostbusters two was an out-and-out comedy. They kind of lost right. the horror. And they didn't do any horror in the girls' version. It was an out-and-out attempt at an art comedy. I'm right. hoping this one is a horror comedy again because it's what makes the jokes work more is when you have that tension and that fear and all of a sudden the humor hits and it's such a relief in you, it's extra funny. It's like it works. So I hope they haven't forgotten that. Have you ever seen Mr. Plinkett on YouTube do no. his reviews? He's reviewed. He reviewed. It's a guy doing a character, okay. and he reviews tons of movies. He got famous for kind of tearing apart the Star Wars prequels okay. in these big, long, like two-hour reviews each. But he's smart at what he's doing. He he picks out very real things in a humorous character way. Right. But the stuff he makes fun of, you go, oh, I get it, you know. Um, but he reviewed the. He's done a bunch of other movies too. He did the Ghostbusters sequel with the girls. Yeah. And it's a. I highly suggest watching it if if you're not annoyed or put off by the character he does. Right. In the review, he calls out some really, really, very clear moments where they ruined the comedy elements, where they right. overdid it, where they, they did a joke. There's a there's a joke at the beginning where they talk about how they were called by someone. Right. You know, uh, Mr. Johnson called us. That can't be. Mr. Johnson died ten years ago. And then the guy walks up, the Ed Begley Jr. character, and they're like, well, this is him. Oh, that's Ed Mr. Johnson Jr. Oh, and that's the joke. It, you know, as a joke, it kind of works. But then they kind of harp on it. The girls kind of rattle off a bit more, and it, right. it drifts on too long, and they kind of improvise or whatever. And he points that out, how it's like you had a good joke. You had the moment, and you overdid it and ruined right. it. And drop he, it. You got it. Now drop it. And he, it, yeah. he catches a ton that they do in that movie right. where they just overdo the joke or don't hit the timing right. So I think that that was a, a matter of it just not being funny. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I I, I think this will be – I'm kind of looking forward to it. 2020, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of other noise coming out in 2020. Well, what's that, 2020 that it's going to be with? we got no Star Wars. 
But there is uh, the next. There's supposed to be the first uh, Marvel Phase, uh, Phase Four, Four right? okay. movie coming out. Do we even know what it's going to be? We have no idea what right. it's going to be. Um, a lot of rumors are it's potentially either in another Guardians of the Galaxy, potentially, but that I think got put in the back burner. Yeah. Rumor is it could be the Captain Britain Black Knight film that they've been hinting at. It could be a could Fantastic be Four or Fantastic something. Fantastic Four or something else that we don't even know that they're going to reveal in the next yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, maybe X-Men. 2020 is also supposed to be the start of some of the strings of Disney's movies like Aladdin and Oh yeah. Lion King also, are those. we getting the first new Avatar? I think Avatar in 2020? Yeah, is getting re-released. In so that could be a busy summer. So there could be like a busy summer to try to put Ghostbusters into that. But I'm also sitting there thinking none of that stuff plays to our generation. Ghostbusters would totally play to the 30/40 crowd. You know, oh, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's that's where I can totally see it. 40, 50 more. Yeah. <laughs> if it, it, if, ouch, yeah. man. Ouch. I, mean, I was a kid when I saw it, <laughs> and right, 40, when that 50. comes out, I'll be forty nine. <sighs> wow. Right. Yeah. I was I was like twelve or thirteen when I saw it. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to talk a little about older, it. Maybe a little older than that. But um, do you so, guys do you think <laughs> that the cast is too old at this point? Is Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd and it depends on how Bill they put Murray, him in. I mean, are I mean, they Bill, they past their prime at this point? I mean, Bill Murray's still. I've seen him in stuff, and he's still entertaining as hell. I'll um, give you that. Dan Aykroyd is hit or miss, but I think given the right material, he'd be good. How's Ernie Hudson looking? You've seen him more recently than I have. It. He's looking good. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, so I think he could pull. I off think he's hold, held up over time. You know what I mean? Like he's not looking bad. <laughs> I just uh, that's my only concern. You know, like don't. They don't need to make these guys look young and hip. Just let them be their age and let them. Maybe that's part of the humor. Is they're older now, trying to yeah, well, do that's it. You know sure. what I mean? Like to that's me, that would be funny. Actually, you know, but, like, one thing I want is Ernie Hudson to say, "I'm getting told for this." <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be kind of funny. That would be totally funny. Like I would buy into it too and be like, "Yeah, that's funny." Okay. So the next topic we wanted to talk about, this this one was also kind of a shocker. There was no warning about this, There was, was a little there? bit. About a day or two before, Tom Holland started tweeting about, hey, you guys want to see something? Or, hey, I might want okay. to show you something. I might have something to show you. He started doing these little hints and tweets about trying to get something out to people. He was leading up to it on his Twitter. Right. So the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, that's what we're talking about for those who are like, what are they talking about? So we, we got a chance to see a teaser trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. And it's 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 an interesting trailer. I, I will I will give them they're they're giving us the story, but not too much of it. Which I again I appreciate when they do that with trailers because I hate it when they ruin it and give us everything, and I don't want everything. I just want part of it. Give me just enough so I know what you're you're trying to do. And it's pretty obvious by the trailer that Spider Man obviously is going to go overseas. Thus the yeah. far from home part. Um, I thought it was interesting at the beginning. Happy is trying to be all. Suave, suave with his his mother there, and, did and, you, and you, you know those Aunt ten May, year yeah. challenges. Aunt May, thank you. On Facebook, yeah, yeah. Did you see the Aunt May one? No, <laughs> it's the Aunt May from the old Tobey oh, Maguire movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's and then it's her, her, and it's like that's her ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did it right. <laughs> yeah, Marissa Tomei's pretty pretty got it going on. Yeah, yeah. Even at her age now, I mean, come on, she's got it going on. So, uh, the interesting thing that we caught online is some, like, spoilery kind of things that maybe there's a warning. Uh, in the background in one of the scenes, Spider-Man is flying by, and it sure looks to me like the Avengers Tower is getting a makeover. Yeah, there's and construction back there. It's the part where he's, construction. he's swinging past Grand Central Station. Right. And there definitely is an implication something's going on there. Now, people online have speculated maybe, maybe it's possible that the Avengers Tower 
is being transformed, and we've talked about this, into possibly the Baxter building. Yeah, so the be, A gets a four, yeah. Which and would be, suddenly the Fantastic Four are able to join into the MCU. That would be awesome. Two things here about the scene we're on right now. Yeah. One, it's where he's getting his passport. Pause right. it right there. We yeah. can actually see the passport. So it's funny because did you catch the line he does where he leans in, he goes, I'm Peter Parker here to pick up my passport. He does all these P's like really yeah, rapid. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, pa- pick up my passport, please. Yeah. Then if you look at the passport, there's no years. Yeah. Oh, no, They've taken not. all the year dates off of it because people are saying, well, does this take place before or after Avengers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is this before? Is he alive? Are we finding out that him and Fury, in the trailer, are we finding out that him and Fury are fine already? Which people right. are suspecting is going to happen. But are we finding it out for sure or are we not? When right. does this take place? You know, And I had heard that, the, <clears throat> I guess those questions had come across the Disney already several times. And both Disney and Sony have said they will not answer that question. They will not answer any questions dealing with the second Avengers movie until after the second Avengers movie comes out. Yeah, and they're even they're even like they're not even releasing the timeline order of anything, including Captain Marvel, till after the. Well, second we know Avengers Captain movie Marvel takes out. place in the eighties. We know it takes place in the eighties, but here's the interesting thing: eighties or nineties? Eighties. It's I think. supposed to be eighties, but it it could be pigeonholed in a couple different places. Within the Marvel timeline, even though it's in the 80s, there's a couple, like, technically Thor could fit into a spot in there somewhere. Right. Obviously, Captain America has to come before that. But there's, like, a weird, like, there is, like, a two or three movie spread where the 80s could fit in. So it is kind of a question of, like, where in amongst all that does Captain Marvel fit in? What I found interesting about this whole thing is, obviously, Fury is still working as either an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or... Sword. Well, Sword, potentially, or a director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they've implied in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that S.H.I.E.L.D. got broken up. But I'm wondering if it got broken up so that... It's the secret secret. Well, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> that that Fury could re... Uh, you know, take control again and reform it ultra, like, behind government... Yeah. You know, behind closed doors without governments. And the reason we're talking about that is because if you've seen the trailer, there's a scene where Peter and his buddy come home into their right. room in, in Europe, and there's Fury tranquilizes the guy and says to Peter, "You got to come with me." Right. And it was interesting too. What I what I find interesting here is obviously Spider-Man gets some new suits here. I yeah. mean, that's that's pretty obvious, and it's pretty obvious since he didn't bring his suit from New York City that he's getting the suits from Fury. So they've got to be like Agent shield versions of the spider-man suit now this is the darker spider-man suit yeah it looks a lot like the old alex ross design he did it for the original spider-mans that they never used right and i like the alex ross design and i like what i see here now i've told you guys i'm not a huge spider wing fan right right i'm okay with this i'm actually okay with this it doesn't look forced it looks like it's you know what i mean he doesn't look like a flying squirrel right exactly that's my point you know, and I like the simple chest design. It's not overdone. Yeah, it's yeah. just a very simplistic, you know, black spider look there. And so to me, I, I like this. It's a good throwback. It's a it's a really cool throwback. A lot of explosions and destruction, and then the weird part: elemental creatures storming through Europe. Right. London. So we 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 yeah, and London Ven- for Venice, sure. Venice probably. And Europe. Venice. It yeah. looks like Venice too. Yep. You know, it looks <laughs> like a creature that's that's made out of water. One made out of rock. But then we get that. Yeah, and then we see this black spider-man with like a well it looks like tactical gear basically yeah but right? he lowers the, like can you zoom back and catch that moment he's dropping the goggles do we see what's under those goggles well let's take a look no see, oh it, you really don't huh you can't 
tell unless you can get that pause just right. So I don't know if we're seeing his eyes. I don't even know if that's Peter. Yeah, could that's it be, the question. Could it be somebody else? Okay, you do. Yeah, you get to see the eyes. The eyes are there. But I can't tell. But you can't tell if that's Peter <clears throat> Parker or not. I'm assuming, but you never know. Wouldn't that be cool if it's, like, happy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like, that's happy. No, I know. It has to be much bigger, but still, I think it would be kind of funny. Agent Spider. <laughs> Agent Spider. It might be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, like an Agent of the Shield in a Spider-Man suit. Then yeah. the big reveal, and this costume. I am surprised at how far they went with this costume. You get the full-on cape, big metal yeah. breastplate. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... And then when he's he takes... We're talking about Mysterio, by the way. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio, which... By the way, I, I, when they first announced him, I went kind of went, eh. and now looking at him in the movie, I like it. I yeah. like I like what they did here, and and I'll give you, I like the big armored look of Mysterio. Yeah. It's it's a really cool he's even got look. the square gauntlets. Yeah, I mean this is a that's a for a Marvel movie, that's a full on superhero outfit yeah. showing up, which <clears throat> plays into our theory here that. This is he's causing illusions to make himself look like a hero because who else would dress in such a hero like costume right, right. unless someone wanted to be a hero. <laughs> right. And like where where our speculation is that he's making up these elemental creatures to yeah. people to fight them off to look like a hero. I just love the fact that we finally oh, see yeah. Mysterio with the helmet you get the on, on too. Helmet. Like the full on helmet, the whole nine yards. You know, and yeah, wouldn't that be a cool thing he's like actually you know, kind of juking people into thinking he's a hero when in reality he's the bad guy. No, that's what everyone assumes. What if they they play the twist and he's a good guy for now (laughs) and something bad does happen later to change him? Or, you know, all these people are making that speculation. I've heard that online. A couple of my friends at school said, when you watch it, I got a theory. Here's my thought. Watch it. Let me know. But here's my thing. They were like, well, you know, let's say it's Hydro Man for a minute. Bad guys don't fight each other, and I laughed. I said, "Do you read Marvel comics? Like, like <laughs> seriously, like, you know, I'm like, they never get along, right? It's like it's it's not that big of a stretch for two bad guys to fight each other. Spider-Man shows up, and they both go, well, screw it, we're not gonna fight each other. We're gonna fight Spider-Man for now, but I hate you, you know, like, so it's not that far-fetched oh, for no, bad no, guys no. to be fighting each other. So part of me says maybe it's the old throwback Marvel thing where two bad guys are fighting till the good guy shows up, and then he becomes the new bad guy, you know, so. It'll now, be interesting to see. Gary, you did talk about the introduction of the Sinister Six. Yeah. Yeah. If that's Hydro Man, if, and if that's... Mysterio. Myster- it is Mysterio. Right. And we've already seen the Vulture. We've already seen Shocker. Correct. We're four out of six. That's why I said that. That You know, when, when, when you talked about the Sinister Six a long while ago, and then I said, well, if Hydro Man's there and Mysterio, you know, it's not that far of a, f- a stretch for us to get the rest of... The Sinister Six and make it a thing, right? Didn't we see Scorpion too in the prison? Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, at the end Scorpion. of the last yeah, movie. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So, like, there's five of the six. Yep. So, who's the only one we're missing? Craven. 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 Okay. That's right. Craven. So, and that's, and that's okay. Then, I, haven't, I haven't been waiting for it. But him. then you wonder would, why would Hydra Man be real, but the lava guy not be real? Well, or, that, I, I, I was just thinking of that. Maybe he was making these illusions and Hydra Man. Is real and is not an illusion. And he went to fight Hydro Man, uh, his uh, elemental that he made, but Hydro Man already destroyed it. Right. Because that's, we don't know who he's talking to when he says, You don't want a part of this. He could be talking to Hydro Man. He could. Then be. he goes off and fights him. Right. That's so, what I'm saying. It yeah, could be a part a, of it. There's a lot that could be going on here. And they could potentially introduce Craven at the end of this one. Yeah. So you got Scorpion and Craven out there, like, we know they're there, but yeah, they're not sucks. there. And then there's your Sinister Six movie 
Scorpion, Craven show up, and now you've got your Sinister Six. Although no one is really Spider-Man the Shocker, because didn't both people who dress as the Shocker both get killed? I know the first <laughs> yeah. one did. The second one did too, didn't he? I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I mean, even if he didn't, but anybody who picks up the gauntlets could become the Shocker. You know what I mean? They could they yeah. could easily replace that that character. And how about when they do the Sinister Six movie and they get Michael Keaton back? They shave his head. Uh, I, oh, yeah, they totally. Give him, they give him the look. I, I think they have to. Don't you think they have to the next time the Vultures are Oh, I, th- I think so, yeah. We've got to totally do it, so... It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm. This is the first time where I'm kind of like, okay, between the Spider-Man movie that's currently in the movies, which I still haven't seen, and I really, oh. actually really want to go see it. <laughs> you haven't seen it either, have you? I, and, I'm the only one who's seen it. I know. And, and this, and I'm kind of like, I'm actually, for the first time in my life, saying, all right, I'm actually respecting Spider-Man, which, honestly, I was, I'm was. i kind of like Gary. I'm in that boat of, like, I never really was, like, huge jump into the Spider-Man realm you know, I'm I'm not totally Gary. We're like hate Spider Man, but I'm like I'm not like I just I don't know. I've never bought into Spider Man as a great character. I don't know. I always saw him as the whiny teenagery kid, and I know that's what he's supposed to be. But I just thought it was too over the top. You know, when I was a kid. But now I'm kind of like these versions are have got me going. Okay, I can I can go with this. I can live with this version. One thing I do like too is that these movies are sticking to their guns in terms of things they do, even as throwaway bits. The very first Iron Man movie, yeah. the last line of the movie is him going, I am Iron Man. Right. So I'm like, he gave away his secret. They never ignored that. Everyone knows Tony Stark is right. that for the rest of the movies. They, and I, I thought that'd be like this huge thing to overcome. It's not. It was so easy, and it just worked into the universe. Right. Aunt May discovered Spider-Man, Spider-Man. with Spider-Man at the end right. of Homecoming. There she is working with him with at a charity fundraising event. Happy's in the suit, high five. I'm like, they they stick to their guns when they do these things. Even and suggesting they advance he the should story. take the suit with yeah. him when he goes overseas, yeah. which I thought was funny. So that, that's, you know, that, that's it's going to be an interesting movie. I think it's going to be interesting to go see. This is going to be an interesting topic for us to talk about because it kind of puts us in a weird place. Well, last episode on this show, we reviewed and talked about a Star Wars uh, Vader fan film. Shards of the Past. Yeah. Shards of the Past. Okay. So we talked about Shards of the Past, and it was a great, I mean, just a spectacularly well done Darth Vader fan film. And yes. we were actually impressed. We were very surprised. I'd even talked about maybe I tried to get a hold of the producer. I feel bad for the guy now. And ever since we watched it last week, I swear we are the people that did this. <laughs> Almost, what was it, about two days later, right, Gary? I think you sent this to us Sunday or Monday, and we watched on Friday, something like that. Uh, A video came out that apparently Disney got a hold of the guy, and they, did they threaten to shut it down first, or they just decided to monetize it right out? What they did was they filed claim against it. The company Warner Chapel filed a claim on YouTube against the fan film. The fan film was originally up with no ads right. because the guy had made agreements with Lucasfilm and talked to them. He'd asked, can I crowdfund this? Can I monetize it? Lucasfilm said, no, no, no. He even said, and we found this out in a second video, apparently, he had said to Lucasfilm, well, can I monetize it and have the money go to you guys? You right, know, can you whatever. take the profit out They of it. said, no, just no monetizing whatsoever. So he didn't. He released it, thinking he'd done all the things that he was supposed to do and was told to do. And put all this time in and development of this movie, made this great fan film. And within two weeks, Warner Chapel comes along, someone from the company, slaps yeah. a claim against it because of the use of some of the music, throws ads, ads, ads to it, and starts monetizing it so the money can go to them. Right. But, right. but the thing is, is he had hired a composer, and the composer didn't take any real music from Star Wars, but it was still 
close enough to it that they said. Yeah, he played off one of the motifs. Right. He, very, very closely. Well, first off, before we get into the music, which I've got my own viewpoints on that, and I, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, just the idea that Disney potentially had somebody in their company. Well, the claim's one thing, which I get the claim. I actually understand the claim. But then to do the manual claim and then decide to put commercials in front of it and monetize it. Right. But that wasn't Disney's doing, though. Well, then who monetized it? Warner, whatever. Warner Chapel, whatever yeah. company. But Tom Warner, Warner. Chapel is an extension of. No, it's that. No, that's what he explained in the second episode. Was he, that they are an extension of Disney? I, I read out. I read elsewise on, on online. They're a division of Warner Brothers, which Disney bought out. Warner Brothers got bought out by uh, part parts of yes parts of because that's Brothers what he said. Back. What he was describing right. was that they bought the rights to like an entire music and composer catalog, right? right from Universal. No, from Warner Brothers. From no, from no, that no. that company, Warner, Warner Chapel had bought the rights. Through from Universal, and Universal has rights to John Williams's music. I think it's the other way around, <laughs> but irrelevant. I um, my understanding of this is that the the issue with the music is actually through Disney. That the problem actually is with Disney itself. Well, j- just look up with well, LFL. Just look up Warner Chapel. Okay. Well, here's the last part. In 2017, Warner Chapel filed a lawsuit against EMI Music Publishing, accusing the latter company of underpaying Warner Music for royalties of the 20th Century Fox catalog. 20th Century Fox, there's your Star Wars releases. So this is a very bounce-around thing that's going on. Which Warner acquired in 82. And they are a part of Warner Brothers. Okay. Wow, that's weird. So the music of Star Wars belongs to Warner Brothers? They have rights to it. They have rights to it. Did you see how this is all so confusing? I feel so bad for people who have to deal with this yeah. crazy nonsense. And this poor guy is having to deal with this crazy nonsense. So basically, somebody did a manual claim, which... How, what's Eric, maybe you know this. What's the difference between a claim and a manual claim? I, I, a claim can be just that the, the automated systems in YouTube like can detect. Flag it. Like they've done I, this I some can, of our I can throw a, I can, If I find a song that I just, oh, I want to put Adele on with my mute, with my video or whatever, right. they're going to instantly catch that with their automated AI that Adele's right. music is playing, and they're going to say, you cannot monetize this video, blah, 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 because this is copyright owned by this. Right. A manual claim means that a person went in and did it. Manually. Manually. They, they discovered the video, they had issue with it, and they put it Okay, so even if it's it. not Dizzy, then somebody at Chapel or Time or Warner Chapel right. yeah. listened enough to go and make the claim and, and be able. So, anyway, so here's the thing, and, and this is what Gary was trying to get at. They claim that part of the Imperial March is heard in this particular movie. Now, when he went back to clarify with YouTube, my understanding is. The claim is that although it's not the Imperial March, in other words, it's not the exact duplicate of the theme that John Williams put in, but that it was close enough to call it the Imperial March, and therefore they own claims to the Imperial March. I take issue with this. (laughs) As a musician, I have a big problem with this because that means that any theme with any sort of implications of another theme, could be claimed by somebody else. And if you start walking down this slippery path, then all of a sudden, everything in music is owned by somebody already down the road. You know, it's interesting, and I I can't remember exactly who said it, but recently an artist had said, 
is it possible we have now fulfilled everything we can fulfill in music and all we're doing now is rehashing what has been rehashed already right which is a valid point when you go from you know box time till now uh, a lot of the themes keep reappearing or the styles keep reappearing or whatever you want to call it and we just kind of keep rehashing them and that's okay if you understand that in the music industry and that's part of how the music industry works that's fine but if we start fighting over who owns that when does art just become art? You know what I mean? Like, part of me just sits here and says, why is it not okay to be um, inspired by somebody else and come up with a like-minded theme but not the theme mm-hmm. and use that as your inspiration for your theme? And when we start walking down that slippery path, well, I mean, even classical composers did that. I mean, Haydn wrote an entire symphony based on a Mozart Sonata that he was inspired by and even took parts of the theme and wrote it into his symphony. Could Haydn have been sued by Mozart back in the 1800s? That would never have been. If they had those lawyers. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that would never have been thought of in that day. Well, okay, so you're going to be doing. We're saying that's, that's, you know what I mean? So if you're going to bring up Haydn and Mozart, for the other side of our less classy listening audience, (laughs) I'm going to bring up Weird Al. No, you're right. Weird Al does. Parodies, which yeah. he gets permission for. Yep. He also does, they're called, I think, pastiche? Yes. Pieces, where they are clearly a theme played on a very specific musical style. Dare to be Stupid is clearly Devo. Right. Charles Nelson Reilly, CNR, from one of his, his newest album, is very clearly The White Stripes, Jack right. White. Yep. Uh, he did one called Everything You Know Is Wrong, which is a parody of They Might Be Giants. Right. He does these, and if you know the musical styles... You know what he's doing. Right. But he doesn't have to get permission to make those songs because he's playing on a style. A style right. that people recognize. Would this lead to then now he can't do those anymore without getting permission from people to say, hey, I want to write something that kind of sounds like what you do? It's not going to be a duplicate of anything you've ever done. It's going to be thematically similar and have similar tones, and people are going to recognize that I'm, I'm playing a riff off that, but now I've got to get your permission to do that too. I'm going to go one step further, too. Can they retroactively... I mean, like, you know the law. Once it's law, it's law, right? Right. Can you retroactively... Okay. So in the law, once something happens, you could retroactively enact that law, correct? Yep. Disco Star Wars (laughs) was never okayed by LFL, ever. Not once, not never. But they never fought it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they right. could have gone out and been like, you can't do that. Well, but they embraced it back in the 70s they, they, because okay, it yeah. helped bring people to the theater, right? They like, could. I mean, come on. Could they? Yes. Does any company or entity exist they could go after now? That <laughs> It may not. There may be nothing around to go right, after. Right, but you get what I'm saying, but I get right? what you're like, saying. That's, well, that was kind of the guy's it's point. It's like this weird, slippery slope that once you start going down, and I don't know where the end is. That's why the guy, that was the guy's point. He said, well, why is my video being gone after... But all the fan reaction videos that watch the entire video, that you hear the music in, their right. fan reaction videos are not being flagged by the right. company. Why are, why, where's that line? Why are they stopping at me? Why did they just come after me? The one who did all the work. You know, it's, he, he makes some interesting points. I can only help but wonder if the reason they're going after him, and this is going to sound awful, is because they want to stop the second episode from happening. And maybe it's because of our theory of who the person's got to be that's in there. Because maybe Disney doesn't want somebody playing in the the garden of, hey, Mace Windu might still be alive, because maybe they've got plans for that somewhere. Right. Right. And then then guess who's right? 
Well, yeah, and then Gary's right the whole time. So Dave Filoni was there all along. I don't know. There's a lot I going think, on I here. think that's a bit of a stretch simply because it doesn't matter if they cover characters that are in the thing or not. People are going to be like, oh, that was just a fan film anyway. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Yes and for no. One, I, I, for some random person in Warner Chapel to be like, hey, they might be talking about Mace Windu. I'm going to flag this under a music. It sounds like it's a very conspiracy theory approach. I get, I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it is something that that could be happening ultimately, but could. but, it's but if that just, was the case, I think they could. I think Disney could have just come straight up and been like, "Shut this video down. It's it's way too much in our sandbox." Yeah, you were not. You know, you were given permission originally, but you can't. But that's the other thing is right now there is no law against a fan film that doesn't make money. Right. As long as it's not a profiting source. Right. You can make something that is an homage. And, that, and that's where I, I take issue with that. If fan films are not allowed to make money, which they're not, and I get that, then why is Disney allowed to make money off the fan film that somebody created? Right. Or anybody else, for that matter. I don't care who you are. Why do you get the right to make money off of something that somebody else made but didn't get the right to make money off of? And then That's the disgusting part of it. The, then we get to the second video we posted, which was like a day or so later. Right. And he got a response from Warner Chapel about... They, and, and basically, it was an enormous threat to him. Yeah. Saying, don't fight the claim. Don't file an appeal. You'll lose it, and we'll shut your channel down, and we'll cancel the video. And this is his livelihood, is his YouTube, you know? It's, right. It's why he's making a living. And they're threatening him to shut everything down if you try to file a claim against us. It almost sounds like someone else in a company that's not Disney-related went, hey we can funnel a lot of money to us off this video right. because of a rights thing we have. And it right. may not be Disney. It may be a smaller group in Warner Chapel that says, you realize we just crunched the numbers. We can make in the next month $500,000 off this video, and we own the rights to that music. So let's do it. Let's file a claim and get that money. Right. So it almost sounds to me like it's not coming from the higher-ups and from Disney and from fandom of fans can't touch our properties and this and that. It almost sounds like it's some other smaller side like company entity. getting money because they can is what it sounds like to me. Gary, you had any final thoughts on this? No, I, I, I agree with what Eric just said. It, it probably is that. And you never know. Maybe there's someone at Disney that like you were saying, and I know Eric says it's a conspiracy, but maybe there is a long-term plan plan for Mace Windu or, or even Vader and Mace Windu. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. So. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just... Think, I know what you're I saying. Think it's it seems more logical. From, yeah. Occam's Razor. The right. simplest answer is usually the right the one. Right and to one. me, it seems like a small company said, hey, we have rights to that. Let's make money. Yeah. So, for the person who put that, that fan film out there... Um, Great work. We love what you did. Fantastic. We appreciate everything you did. I'd love to bring you on the show, actually, if at some point this quells down a little bit and you're willing to do an interview we'd love to hear from you and uh, hopefully you can get a hold of us or I'll try to get a hold of you at some point and uh, we'd love to talk to you I feel bad for him I really do and I hope he continues with episode 2 I want. he see says it. he's gonna he says he's gonna I want to see it I really do I really think it would be great to see it um, it was a great fan film and I just I, I feel for him this, that's a lot of stress to go through for something that quite honestly was done for the fun of it for the heck of it and put together a really well put together film, and so. clearly cost a lot of money. Obviously, yeah, it was uh, reported that hundred thousand dollars he put into it. Yeah, so that that's uh, so we feel for him. 
All right, so that's our thoughts on the John Wick 3 trailer, the release of Ghostbuster 2020 coming in the future, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, and our thoughts on the Star Wars fan Vader fan film and the claim that was put against it. So head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. Let us know what you think. Check us out on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, pay attention to those things because they're going to start changing soon, and you're going to be surprised what you see. So we'll be back in just a little bit to review our next episode of Star Wars Resistance. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. When you can't find anything to watch on cable, you get bored. When you get bored, you listen to radio cooking shows. When you listen to radio cooking shows, you invite a friend over for dinner. When you invite a friend over for dinner, you use twice as many beans. When you use twice as many beans, you expel deadly farts that kill your friend's dog. When you kill your friend's dog, your friend becomes unstable. When your friend becomes unstable, you're sued for everything you're worth. When you're sued for everything you're worth, you're thrown to the streets. When you're thrown to the streets, you devote your life to world domination. When you devote your life to world domination, you become an evil fascist overlord. When you become an evil fascist overlord, old friends plot their revenge. When old friends plot their revenge, you are shot in the back of the head. And when you're shot in the back of the head, you miss your jazzercise appointment. Don't miss your jazzercise appointment. Upgrade to Indirect TV. Go online or call 1-800-IRECT-TV. In the sea, there are big fish and there are little fish. The same is true on land. But which are you? Isn't it time to define yourself? At Shark, we have different Shark credit cards based on your level of insecurity. Let your credit card color define you. Go on a shopping spree with a red Shark card. The great white Shark is a beast of a card. Everyone in the restaurant will see it and know you are the ultimate predator. Tiger Shark is for the flamboyant spender. The Bull Shark for the violent, aggressive predator who hunts in all kinds of environments. Or there's the charitable basking shark. The card for the slow-moving liberal with no teeth. Shark for the apex predator. The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. The biggest ships for the biggest battles. Now, in the sleek X-Wing fighter as rebel hero Luke Skywalker, you experience the real movie sounds of spaceflight. Your mission free Han Solo from the clutches of Darth Vader and bounty hunter Boba Fett. Now, you have Imperial scout troopers on their speeder bikes. And massive scout walkers to deal with. Are the X-Wing's laser cannons enough to free Han Solo? Now you have the power. The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. Figures in Deco's Eat Soul Separate from Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you, 
that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we talk about the next episode of Star Wars Resistance, at least to us it is. This would be Season 1, Episode 6, titled Signal from Sector 6. Too many sixes. Okay, so long story short, we actually see... Chaz. Thank you, Chaz. Go off the station, finally. For the first time. This is the first time all season, right? That we've seen him uh, leave yeah. the station. Which uh, other, than, other than to go a couple hundred yards out on a speeder bike. Right, right. And I kind of feel like we've been Deep Space Nining it for so long, I didn't know what it was like to not be on Deep Space Nine all of a sudden. So they go out in these ships for... It's a training exercise, right? That they decide that they're going to... Well, it's mostly just to brief for Kaz to brief... Poe on what he's learned so far about what's going on with the First Order at the Colossus. And then, because he knows that he likes to fly, and so does Poe, they're like, let's just go flex our wings and go out for a flight. Go jam or something, yeah. Yeah. And in the process of doing that, they discover a pirate ship in the middle of an asteroid field. Well, a cargo ship. A cargo ship, That has been attacked by pirates. There's one destroyed pirate ship floating next to it. Right, and so they decide to go and check it out, and they discover there's some life signs and... Um, it's interesting. We have two droids, by the way, in this episode. We have BB-8 and CB-4. 23. 23. CB-23. Uh, CB-23 is just basically a stylized version of BB-8. Different colors, <laughs> but same concept, same idea. And obviously a female. Yeah, it yeah, definitely sounds like, like it's a But I thought BB-8 droid. was supposed to be a female. But supposed to be, but then they rolled it back before the first The Force Awakens came out. They actually did say it was male. <clears throat> I thought since then they've said it's female. No, it's actually oh, a male okay. droid. They have absolutely admitted, wholeheartedly admitted it's a, it's a male droid. I know I was kind of shocked, too. I thought it was female, and they rolled it back somewhere. How about, how about droids don't have a sex? Because they're Well, that's what, I, that's what I don't understand <laughs> either. Why do we have to have droids that have a sexual orientation at all? Right. Who cares if they're male, female, gay, straight, you know... Uh, I don't know, mixer queer, I don't know, <laughs> like whatever they are. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. You're a droid and you're not procreating with other droids because, like, right. isn't that one of Isomov's rules, right? <laughs> no, the three were you cannot, <laughs> cannot harm, harm a human. Right. You cannot, cannot do an action. harm to come to you, a human. You can't do action that would cause harm to a human. Right. Uh, I can't remember that the three laws of robotics were. <laughs> Dang it. But there's three. Yes, three. there were. There's three. And uh, so, anyway. So we have, we have two droids, and, and we go on to the station, and Poe and, and Kaz decide they're going to try to find this life form. And in the process of searching this this ship, uh, they come across... Well, first off, they come across a creature that sounds like it's a you know an amalgamation of a Rathtar and a, a Rancor, for crying out loud, in the distance. So that's the common thing in the background, this thing's stomping around we don't know what it is stomping around and roaring but then we're trying to find the life forms of somebody on the ship and while we're doing that we kind of keep having these weird moments off to the side and on top and on the floors and they keep running into salacious crumb well they yeah the the creatures that are like salacious crumb uh he called them monkey lizards right something like that which are coaxians by the way 
now, this is actually part of the, the show that I liked because the Coagians were actually kind of funny. Yeah, uh, the humor I, worked for once. I, yeah, the humor worked. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think of them as gremlins. I mean, they really were kind of reacting like that. You know, running up, stealing. They were troublemakers. Po, stealing Poe's gun, then shooting at him with it. And, you know, all I could think of was that scene uh, in Gremlins, the very first one, when they're in the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you have the one Gremlin going, ah, you know, like I was just waiting for something crazy like they that. They kept taking Kaz and smashing his face into yeah. the ground. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there was that, and then there was the moment where they're they're going after BB-8 and they're going after CB-23, and. Uh, it was actually kind of a, a hysterical thing, and and then my favorite was to end it all. Poe comes running back in and kind of shoots his gun in the air, and one just drops to dead. scare him, and he kills <laughs> one by accident. Like, oops! And then they all run off because he killed one. And I actually so. like uh, when BB-8 hooked the leg of the one and spun. He yeah, spun yeah. him around and, and threw, threw it, him. and it ended up right on Cass's face. He just got one off, and it hits yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah. And the humor worked. And another one grabbed his leg and started hoping it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like I said, Gremlins to the nth degree. But yeah, we were watching this episode, and for the first time ever this season, I heard both of these guys giggle or laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Li- even out loud, just a little bit, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you probably get the best reading for me. Yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of enjoyed parts of this episode. Yeah. I was I was shocked. So they, they run off the, the monkey lizards only to find the person that they've been trying to search for. Locked, whatever locked themselves into a canister of some right, kind, a container. Some sort of a container. And they decide they're going to take this person back to one of their X-Wings to get him back to uh, the ship with Jaeger. Uh, in the meantime, they finally discover what the gigantic creature is. And apparently it's a monkey lizard on crack or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they get Apparently they steroids. get big. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of wondering if maybe Umbrella Corps somehow got onto the ship and started playing around with monkeys, lizards, and created their own nemesis or something. Salacious but, crumbs been lifting. Right. <laughs> I'd love to know if that one lasts. Does it go, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, almost like Jabba, right? So it starts chasing after them. And, of course, now they've decided they're going to get this, this it's a girl at this point, back to it so they're trying to drag this body i did think it was funny that Cass is like they're she's getting heavy like yeah. you know like he couldn't actually carry her the whole way meanwhile bb8 had kind of a you know a righteous moment with bb23 who's apparently female and i think she's all like enamored with bb8 somewhere along the way the episode it like, started with the two of them being like cantankerous each towards yeah. each other and by the end of the episode they also they don't want to go in separate yeah. directions so oh, it's, that, that it's because bb8 saved her yeah, that's true. Yeah, so there's there's that love uh, saving remorse or whatever you want to call it, and the damsel in distress. Damsel in distress mode. Yeah. So they they they're trying to get back to the ship. Poe tries to hold off the monkey lizard that's on crack, and they basically get to the ship just in time to take off and avoid the gigantic lump monkey lizard. And they meet up with Jaeger. They transfer the girl there along with BB-8, uh, and they tell the girl that or they tell. Kaz and Jaeger to take her back to the station and kind of help her out, get better, and, and then she can go on her way. And uh, she wakes up, and I thought she did the next funniest thing of the whole episode. Her immediate reaction is to punch Kaz right in the face. Yes. And when she wakes up, um, they take her back to the station, much to Jaeger's displeasure, but she doesn't hang out for long. They, they get her registered, and she, she takes off. She leaves. And then comes the kind of the cliffhanger moment or the, the shock moment where she contacts what I'm assuming is a pirate. Yep. yep. And <laughs> it was a trap. Uh, basically tells him that, hey, I'm on the station now. And he says, great. 
uh, just hang tight. We're going to have something for you to do later on. So and, it turns out she wasn't a passenger on the ship. She right. was one of the pirates. She was actually one of the pirates for the ship. So that's, what a twist! That's how we end it. And um, so, what did you guys think of this episode? I mean, oh, you know, I, I, like I said, there were actually some humorous parts. I mean, Gary, Gary, what was your favorite part of this episode? Oh, the whole monkey uh, lizard attack scene. Okay, the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really well done too. I just liked all of it. I, I mean. The penultimate moment was Poe shooting his gun in the air and one just dropping from the ceiling. <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. The, the only thing that distracted from the whole episode for me was the giant lizard monkey and steroids. Yeah, I agree. It didn't seem to match in with anything else. I think it would have been better if they had like a Rancor or Raftar or something along that, that lines. I'd have been okay with it. I think they stayed away from Raftars only because nobody seemed to like that part of The Force Awakens. Oh, I did. The Raftar yeah, section. It felt, it felt totally out of place. Yeah. So I think they stayed away from that, which was probably a smart play. I thought it would have been better to have, like, a Rancor. Yeah, Wookiee. Well, that actually would have been cool, too. I never thought about that, having a Wookiee in there throwing things around. Sure, absolutely, that would have been scary as all get out and maybe showed the other side of the not, you know, like, yeah. not the nice Wookiee, but the angry, upset Wookiee. Uh, but I agree with you, Gary. That, that was rather distracting. I take it that's the part you would, like, say you like the least about the episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, the, I think my favorite part was the monkey... Lizard grabbing Kaz and just going bam, 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 bam. <laughs> smash just like smash the face into the. <laughs> I don't know why it's about every, that. Every single time one of them got at him, it's like they'd go after Poe, they'd try to take his gun. They'd right. go after the other things, they'd climb on him. Every time they went for him, they went for his face. Yeah. They just tried to beat him up in the face. And I don't know if that's. This is going to sound awful. I don't know if that's just because that's what I really wanted to have happen to Kaz. <laughs> you know, like at this point, I'm just like, yeah, I can't stand his character. Yeah, just have him go bam, bam. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just what I want to have happen to that character. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My least favorite part of this whole episode was the cheesy romance between BB-8 and BB-23. It just, I don't know. You don't need to have droid romance to make a show happen, you know what I mean? It, I don't know. It could have been friendly. Ro- you know, it didn't need to be romantic. Just droids get well, friendly. Well, that's the thing. Maybe that's the, they were, maybe they were just being friendly. Like, but oh, it sure you. felt like, you know, it like did, there was yeah. supposed to be something going on there anyway. Yeah, but Bob would rather see Poe and Kaz fall in love with each other. <laughs> Absolutely, and then it could do Station 69, so yeah. we're all good. Cut there. <laughs> There's an edit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, so, Eric, uh, what was your like least favorite part of this episode? We Actually, favorite. my least favorite part of the episode was when they were leaving the ship with her in the back of the X-Wing, and they got attacked by the pirates. It mm-hmm. was totally just a sequence to play off of the whole... He tried to learn that space move earlier that he couldn't right, do yeah. and couldn't do, and then I knew it was going to pay off. He'd do it at some point, and sure enough, these guys attack him, and he does his move. And hey, I knew you could do it. It was just there was way too much that was telegraphed a mile away, and it was completely unnecessary. Well, not only was it telegraphed, but it got the other pirates to just leave. There were like three other pirates. Well, you know, like, they um, Poe po- blew po- up po- one. Yeah, Poe blew up. There were three. Poe blew up one. One crashed. The third decided it was outnumbered oh, to the okay, one and I took get off. It. All right. So okay, I forgot the one crashed. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, overall, this wasn't an over-awful episode. I mean, we, we had some Star Wars Resistance episodes where we get over here and we're kind of like, oh, my gosh, mm. I can't believe we have to talk about this. There wasn't any of that, at least I mean, not getting off me the state, getting off the Colossus helped. I was looking forward to the Colossus and thinking it'd be a cool environment and that they'd do a lot of intrigue and stuff, and they've done nothing with it yet in six episodes. So I was happy to get off and actually see space Yeah, <laughs> Star part Wars. Of me, part of me is like, let's find our Defiant <laughs> and start figuring out a way to get off this ship because it's not working what we're doing. Uh, I, I, I was waiting for him on the cargo ship to find fuel. <laughs> I would have absolutely that, I thought that hysterical, too. too. As, soon as, as soon as I saw it was a living creature cage, I'm like, oh, at least it's not fuel canisters. 
All right, so let's rate this episode. A zero is being a don't bother. A ten's a must see. Anybody want to go first? I'll go. Go ahead, Gary. I'm going to give it a six. Wow. Okay. That's pretty darn high. That's for pretty me. hard for you. Yeah. Okay. So especially for this. <laughs> this, this yeah. This yeah. Series. Yeah. So why a six? I like watching the monkeys uh, beat the crap out of Paul and uh, <laughs> Kaz. Uh, Kaz. Yeah. Okay. That's the main reason for the six. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eric, what would you rate this one? Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid six. Okay. I I think it was the humor worked for once. The actual blocking of the whole monkey sequences and stuff was all pretty humorous. The, everything worked for me, like BB-8 spinning the creature and throwing yeah. it, and uh, the shot the shot in the air with the one dropping dead. Right. Just whoever did this, someone either they got a new writer on this episode or they let someone do stuff who didn't before, and he, he put some good they put some good stuff in. Yeah, I'll um, give you that. I like seeing Poe. It's always good to get characters we know back in the episodes and yeah. stuff and, and draw us in a bit more. Um, it it did seem mostly like a filler episode. The reason I have to give it points off is they definitely they definitely put up some some flimsy excuses as to why they had to go flying out in space. Right. Poe wanted to catch up and be debriefed. Okay, well, get on board their, right. their ship and talk while you're flying around the planet. Yeah, right. yeah go in the Star Tours. Yeah, uh, go in the Star Tours, sit down <laughs> in the back. Fly in the clouds. You guys are fine. No, we're going to go out into space. We're going to fly around for a while in asteroids. They, they can hold hands with each other and everything. <laughs> Watch the sunrise over the ocean. Yeah. But it, it seemed like it was a flimsy excuse to get them out into space. I'm right. always happy to see space in Star Wars and X-Wings and right. stuff I know. But there, it definitely was a stretch. You know, they, they, they took a premise and really were like, well, we need to get them into space. Let's come up with something. Right. And... It, nothing really happened in this episode. We're introduced to a new character who may become important as it go as it progresses. Right. But it seems like there would have been other ways to get that character on the Colossus without having to go through all this. So it, I give it a six for the things that did work and the minus four for the things that felt pushed and rushed. And the main thing for me is I was entertained for a change. Yeah, you yeah. weren't asleep in this one. I was surprised. Right. So I was actually going to give this one a 7, and I'll explain why a 7. I know I'm a little slightly higher than you guys. Yeah, but it's because BB-8 was a... Well, yeah, I love BB-centric episodes. I'm not going to sit here and lie about that. But it wasn't all BB-8. There, there was a couple things that, that I noticed about this one that kind of grabbed my attention and said, hey, maybe they're moving in the right direction. This is not a 9 or a 10 where I'm like, oh my gosh, people should start watching Star Wars Resistance. I'm still not there yet. Sorry, you haven't got me there. It, it kind of was like, okay, now maybe we're starting to have some fun with this. The things that I liked, I mean, other than the monkey lizards themselves, was the idea that we were able to get off the planet where you're able, actually able to have an episode that didn't require, like, a core Star Wars character to create it. Yeah, Poe's kind of, but to me, he's not a, he's not a Leia, Solo, right. Skywalker, even kind a, of. Even a Calrissian. Even a Calrissian, right. Like, you're not you're not having to draw that in. So you actually created a decent episode without having to pull in somebody like that in order to make the episode work. So I, I give them some props for that. I also think, even though it is kind of a filler episode, I think down the line we're going to find out this is a really important episode because this girl is, I think, going to become a big deal later on. There's now a pirate in their their base what's that gonna do for them it's got me wondering it's the first time we're kind of on a cliffhanger where i'm going oh i wonder what's gonna happen now what's she gonna do what are the pirates gonna do how are they gonna play a role i'm actually asking questions at this end of this episode and i wouldn't have cared at the end of any of the other episodes now the other thing i'm keeping in mind too 
my seven might be affected by the fact that we've had so many bad episodes of resistance that like i'm kind of like my seven may actually be really be a five in reality but compared to everything else feels like a seven you right. know what i mean so that's 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 my other element to this so and i guess that's my question my last question to you guys like do you feel like because we've seen so many bad resistance episodes in a row could they put out like a just a little over mediocre episode and we're like oh my gosh it's at least a little bit better i mean is that possible it's going on here uh, a little i'm sure there's a bit of that rebound effect we're having I'd like to think that there's a bit more quality to this episode just naturally. It felt yeah. like it was. It just felt like it flowed a little better. I can't quite put my finger on anything specific, but it had a bit more cohesion to it. and Like almost and, a natural feel to it. Yeah, it felt natural, and I liked that. I want to see more of this. Um, whether or not some of it was influenced by that we've seen so many bad ones, I'm sure, <laughs> to an extent, yeah. Gary, do you think that's possible too? That's yeah. being influenced by all the bad ones. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And uh, well, Eric also said that it had Poe in it. Again, True. So we're getting back into that. Only good episodes are going to be with Star Wars characters. In it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, uh, characters from the movies and stuff. We'll have to see as we go through the weeks ahead if maybe this holds up. You know what I mean? Or if this was just a one-off and it ain't going to hold up over time. Okay, so that was our thoughts on this episode of Star Wars Resistance. Also, our thoughts on John Wick 3 trailer, Ghostbusters 2020, Spider-Man Far From Home, the Darth Vader fan film that may not have been or could have been or may will be, <laughs> and, of course, Star Wars Resistance. And Which had Dave Filoni voicing one of the space monkeys. Yes, if you did not know Dave Filoni, Gary actually voiced one of the space monkeys. Yes, I, I kept it quiet. You did. So, as we always like to say here in a Star Production Studios, may, may the, the Force be with those who listen to Jedi Killer Dillion. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.